We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. And welcome back to another Three Mob Pod. I am John Kurtz. Today, joined by Cole Manbeck, no Derek Young, uh, taking a much deserved vacation here in the bye week. And we're ramping back up, though, with TCU coming up. This weekend in a battle of unbeatens under the lights in Fort Worth this weekend. But we have a very special guest today to help gear up for that and kind of recap where we're at at the midway point of the football season. And that is Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Wildcats, a uh, guy that I had the pleasure of doing a, a radio show with once a week for a long time back in Manhattan. And it's it's great to have him back on the show. And Wyatt, I was telling you before uh, we actually uh, came on here today when I was texting you about getting you on. The last time you came on with Cole and Derek, I was I was actually a little jealous, not only because they got to interview you, but because like our numbers skyrocketed. I don't the people <laughs> seem to like you almost better than they like me. So I we're, we're very pleased to have you back here on the pod. Well, I'm very pleased to be back. I, I appreciate that. I'm surprised you gave Derek any time off in the time that I've known him. He hasn't taken very many days. I hope he's enjoying a day or two. And I, I think the football team needed a few days and uh, got it. And I'm sure he, he could use it, too. You know what? I did too. You would be impressed how much I did Saturday. I never moved from my couch from 11 a.m. till about 11:30 that night. I mean, I was the ultimate weekend warrior watching football and baseball. Now that's right. There was yeah, there was great baseball going on oh. too. Yeah, there was all, all kinds of stuff to be uh, to be on the couch for on Saturday. How do you kind of evaluate when you take a step back? And by the way, the show today brought to you by uh, our friends at Holiday Distillery. Go stock up on your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Uh, to get ready. If you're going to Fort Worth, make sure you have it at the tailgate. If not, make sure you have it while you're planted in front of your TV is why it just alluded to there uh, all day. You're going to have a long time to wait with K-State playing at night, uh, which will be very exciting. But hey, this team sitting here right now, they had the loss to Tulane, but all of a sudden that's that's a ranked loss with Tulane in the top 25 and a 3-0 start to Big 12 play, ranked in the top 20. Uh, how do you evaluate where, where this season is at compared to, I guess, your expectations going into the year? Well, I would say they're similar to what my expectations were, but how they got there isn't exactly up to par or the plan, if you will. I don't know that any of us really saw them starting out the way they did offensively. And then conference play started. And I I was so impressed with 
Adrian Martinez at Oklahoma, and he was challenged by the coaches to to be the guy he was in Lincoln, right? Cut it loose, let it go. And that cut it loose, let it go guy has been awfully good. Um, I, I, I find it very funny to think back a couple of weeks to the Iowa State game, and I, I saw people tweeting about he was just ordinary. He wasn't very good, those kind of things. Here's where I will jump in and say K-State had 388 yards in that game. He accounted for 323 of them. I think we'll all take that pretty much every Saturday. He's kind of elevated his play, and with that, K-State has too. Wyatt, he's been one of the more scrutinized players in the country his entire career and yeah. obviously had to deal with that three games into the season following the Tulane loss and the criticism thrown his way. What's it say about the makeup and the character of him to, to take that in stride and bounce back in the way that he's done? It's a superb question because I think you guys cover this team. You know he came in and fit in very quickly and very well. You could tell right away that the teammates respected him and I think respected all of the things that he had gone through. And I just the way he handled himself with the coaches, with the players, with the staff, just media people. He, he's been very accountable, very upfront and honest all along, in my opinion, from my perspective. You can just tell he had a boatload of experience, knew what he was doing, I think is a very confident guy. Not that there isn't some questions here and there. And I think in part in those first three games, why he didn't perform as well is I think he was trying to be extra careful and not make mistakes and not turn it over. But the reality of it is three more games into this, he still hasn't thrown an interception, knock on wood. <laughs> he he hasn't lost a fumble. He's just elevated his play in every way. I just respect what he's doing. I mean, it's hard doing what he does. And frankly, a lot of times he makes it look pretty easy. Can they continue to, to run him at the pace that they're running him, do you think? Or do they, they need to adjust and scale that back a little bit with the, the hits he's absorbed? Well, I would say... Can he do it? Yes, probably. Would it be better if they could back off a little bit? Maybe. But I just think as we move forward, and you guys will appreciate this, I'm sure, I think the games for the most part are going to get harder. And because of that, I don't know that they will back off necessarily some. You know, you think about the game at Iowa State. Iowa State is a really good defensive football team that is coordinated as well as most that you'll see. They tackled well, they played well, and they did as good a job as anybody of neutralizing K-State's run game. So they had to do something somewhere. Part of that was Martinez running and throwing on the run, and I thought he was pretty good at it overall. That's why I said what I said before. I didn't understand the thought of he was just okay. In my opinion, he was a heck of a lot better than okay. Uh, I, maybe not everybody will agree with me on that, but uh, I'm, I'm taking it. In, in terms of what he's doing. And you know what? I just think <laughs> when he plays full throttle, he's a better player, you know? And, and so I don't see them backing off on that a whole lot, maybe occasionally, but not, not too often. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Wyatt, I know Cole and I had both run the numbers. I think Cole did. And then I was, I went and double checked it because I was unsure trying to make a point at one point, but 
I mean, he had, in terms of yards per attempt, he was way better, like three yards per attempt better than anybody against Iowa State's defense so far this year. That was before Texas, but I saw Quinn Ewer's stat line. I don't think I even need to go crunch the numbers on that. Yeah. I mean, he he was pretty darn good against a really good defense against Iowa State. And I know it doesn't help when Deuce is a little bit dinged up there in terms of having to run him more. That's obviously a part of why the bye week is beneficial. You have a lot of guys like Deuce that have been a little bit banged up. Uh, Felix, Khalid, a lot of pretty big names here. Just from what you've been able to tell or ascertain, like how how healthy is this team right now? How beneficial has the bye week been from from just a health standpoint for some of the key cogs? Well, it came at a really good time, John, from both the mental and physical aspect from my perspective. They They've walked out of Iowa State with a win, and some didn't think it was all that pretty, and I appreciate that. But the fact that they won there and the way they did it, the way they had to do it, so to speak, um, you you take it and get out of town. Yeah. But they did limp out of town a little bit. Coach Kleiman mentioned last Tuesday at the presser that had we played this last weekend, there would have been maybe two or three or four guys that would have been a little bit iffy. So with that said, I think they're all okay for this week or will be. And that from a mental standpoint, it is, it is a grind. And I think, you know, you don't have a lot of control of the scheduling really, but I, I think the off week came at an absolute perfect time and a very much needed time for, for this football team. I know something we've talked about on the pod here is is the offensive line play. And obviously, speaking of injuries, losing Taylor Portier didn't yeah. didn't help early on in the year there. It's been a little <laughs> bit up and down. I guess a two-part question kind of here. How do you evaluate it? And and how much do you think they are missing Taylor Portier there? Well, I'd be kidding myself if I didn't say they miss him because this one sticks in my brain. Back in the preseason, I heard Coach Kleiman say, it's great having a guy back who, when he went down a year ago, was our best offensive lineman. That is a mouthful when you think about how good Cooper Beebe is and how well he has played as the starting left tackle a year ago and the starting left guard this year. So that is a significant loss. I think what I appreciate, even through growing pains, is Hayden Gillum just basically taking over that Noah Johnson role from a year ago, which is not easy. And it isn't just the football part. It's the mental part, you know, trying to be a leader of that group. I really appreciate Hayden on that. And then Panzer has been, he's been solid at, at the right guard position. And the best part for me is, is one, the type of kid he is, two, how much he loves the game, and three, I think I have a very good feel of the fact that he's a good player now. Think about what he's going to look like even a year from now and still have, you know, another year or so of football left. <laughs> I mean, there are people that think he's as good as most and um, he's just kind of scratching the surface. So would you rather have Taylor and have the added depth there with that body? You betcha. Cause he's, he's good. I felt so bad for him to have that happen, but they've also survived it. And, you know, Connor, you guys know this, Connor Riley's really, really good at what he does. Thank goodness. Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm going to interject here just real quick. I, do you know, Wyatt, if the plan is for, for Portier to, to come back and continue or or back-to-back? It's just, you know, it's tough when you have back-to-back season-ending injuries like that. I yeah. wonder sometimes what the, what the future is going to be. I have not asked a whole lot about it recently. I, I think uh, going into the surgery, 
um, the, the thought was, is that he would try to come back, but again, you know, you get through the surgery and then, then what happens, right? All that rehab. (laughs) We'll see. He loves the game. I think we know that. And he has a very bright personality. I, I think he can. But it's certainly not a lock. It, it's it's a lot of work coming back from something like that. Couldn't possibly feel any worse. Oh, your heart heart for, no. for a guy that has to go through that. A guy that's a, a really good fit in that locker room too. Why we've we've heard about the the culture in this program being different than it has been in the past. This is a really good. There's a good leadership in this locker room. Have you noticed a, a different vibe in the locker room compared internally to climbing teams in the past with this group? Yeah, I'd say I probably have to a degree. I don't know that I've seen what I would describe as, you know, leaps and bounds better necessarily. But I, I do believe that Coach Kleiman is like this group from the word go. Uh, I think he likes that leadership group. I think he likes the captains. I think he likes the work ethic of this group. I thought it was very telling here most recently where he talked about this is the hardest working group he's had at K-State. And that to me is a, is a pretty telling thing. And, and especially when he says too, not in the same breath, but close that they haven't played their best football yet. I think he just believes in this group of guys and they're not perfect necessarily, but if you, if you start crunching the numbers, they've been pretty good. They didn't necessarily play all that well, in the game against Tulane and we all know it. And there, there were struggles in the Iowa state game and there, there will be going forward from time to time, but I love the way they compete and I love their makeup. How would you grade the job that, that Colin Klein has done in his first year as an offensive coordinator and the adjustments that, that he's made over the last few weeks? Well, I, I think in, in being as fair as I can be, I, I will, I will preface this by saying you guys know how I feel about Colin and I think he's a fabulous man and, I think he is going to be very good at what he does. I think he's good at it now, but I think he's only going to get better with time and experience. I loved what he did in the, uh, in the bowl game. Uh, it's harder to do it week by week by week uh, in, the, in the season that follows. But I do think when you think about it, and he's, think about how he's been challenged. Um, going to Ames most recently as an example and going against that coordinator <laughs> <laughs> and he held his own. Um, I, I just feel like there's no downside here. It's all about up and, and getting better and experience. And, and he's doing that. I hope that answers the question. But I, again, I, I'm a big fan. I think he's going to be really good at what he does. But there, there's always growing pains in, in everything you do when you're young like that. He's, he's still a very, very young, young man. Well, and as weird as it is to say this after the Iowa State game, which again was a, a ten point output, it did feel to me like that was was a lot of progress made in the passing game. Um, uh, I, mean, I Phillip, agree. Philip Brooks and Malik Knowles having really nice games, and you know, I mean, it looks and feels different if if you don't have a fluke play at the one yard line happen with Knowles getting the ball punched out there. I, you know, one of the questions I think that would be fair to ask is like, look, at, at this point, everybody thinks you got a real shot at, at making it to Arlington for the Big Twelve championship game, but does this passing game have enough? How, how do you feel about if you were phrased that question, does K-State have an, enough of a passing game or enough potential of a passing game there to, to get to Arlington? Well, <laughs> this is going to sound like an interesting answer to you probably, but I remember having a conversation prior to the Iowa State game with Colin, and I, I asked him about 
offensive balance. And he came back with what I thought was a very interesting answer in that, and, and I'm paraphrasing certainly some here, you know, we're running the ball pretty well right now. You don't get away from that. I'm all about balance, but if we're going to run for 267 yards a game, I'm okay if the passing's a little less. I think what you do is, like in all matchups, it's it's like a game of chess. There's a lot of give and take. There are some things that they're going to give you, some things that if you want it, you're going to have to go take it. And I think there, <laughs> there are still things happening here as we progress through this season. That's a lot to say to say this. I believe there is more in this passing game than we've seen, at least in terms of potential. And I think we need to see it moving forward. And yet you want to continue to be able to run the ball. What, what I was most excited about in the Iowa State game was, is when you were challenged in the run game, they did pass the ball better. And with the game on the line in the fourth quarter, what happened? K-State held the ball for 10 plus minutes of the period. And when they absolutely had to run the ball, they ran it as physically tough as they did all night or more so. To me, that was a statement statement thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and with the passing game, I know one guy we heard a lot about heading into the season was RJ Garcia and a mm -hmm. lot of potential. Hasn't hasn't found his way on the field a ton, a little bit um, in some spurts. But where is he at? Uh, has there been anything holding him back? Or is it a matter of they just don't want to sub as much with the receivers because we've just seen, seen them roll with the top three guys quite a bit throughout the year? Good question. I think the true answer is a little of both. If I'm... Full disclosure with the answer here, he's been dinged up a little bit. That's a factor. He has not been as healthy as they would like for him to be. And I think they made a decision, you know, not that long ago that those top three receivers, you need to give them as much as you can because they, you know, they need the success in the passing game. I think if it becomes a little bit more consistent, I think you could certainly see more of RJ Garcia. Um, they loved him in the spring. You guys know that. They talked about him a lot. And I, I do think he's a very talented young player, but he is still learning. And uh, they, I, I think he's healthier today than he's been in a while. And uh, hopefully that will lead to more opportunity and some success for him because, frankly, they you need more than three. I mean, you'd like to have four or five or six guys, if I'm being honest about it. That's That's just what it is. Shifting gears to the, the defensive side of the football, Wyatt, look, I know Colin Klein's been a, a popular talking point guy to discuss this year, but Joe Klanderman now, year two defensive coordinator. Last year, they were top 35 in the country in points per drive allowed, actually the best metric they'd had in that category in seven, eight seasons. Top 20 this year in points per drive allowed. Can you maybe speak to the job that, that he's done as defensive coordinator and just how good this defense has been so far this season? It's a great subject for me. Um, I'm a big fan of Joe Klanderman. I, I remember having a conversation with Coach Kleiman when Scotty Hazelton was going to leave K-State and, and go to Michigan State. And he told me, we'll be just fine with Joe. He's a very, very bright football defensive mind. And I believe that's played out. Um, I, I think there are a lot of pretty solid coaches on, on that side of the football. And you gave out a lot of numbers there, but, but for me, um, if you're giving up in the, in the what year and a half now that K-State has been in that three, three, five set, and they're giving up 
a little less than 20 points a game. There's a lot of people doing a lot of things right. And I think Joe's right at the top of the list. And I think I've got him, Wyatt, at 29 of 98 on third and fourth downs. Defensively, around 30% conversion rate that they're yeah. giving up, which is yeah. pretty pretty darn good. Uh, when we talked in Arlington and had you on, one of the, the things, one of the big talking points about the defense was the safety position, right? And some concerns around that. I mean, Kobe Savage, Josh Hayes, those guys, the guys that are rotating in, they're, they're six deep at the safety position. Just how impressed have you been with that group and and maybe Hayes, Savage, and some of the other guys and, and what they've been able to do? Well, again, for those who don't know, uh, K-State has a very good coach in that secondary that coaches the corners in Van Malone. The guy that coaches those safeties is Joe Klanderman. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could not watch the last two years and not be impressed with how they have taken guys with a lot of experience, but new to this particular system, or most of them, maybe a a little bit of an exception with Josh Hayes, but just plug and play them in there and, and, and get these kind of results. I think I can make an argument for you guys that that Josh and Drake and, and Kobe have been every bit as good if not better than, than what we saw a year ago. And I was so impressed with, with what Julius Prince did a year ago. And it goes without, I mean, one of those kids that they lost is making a living in the NFL. And we all saw what, what Stubblefield did. And man, that was a great story too. So I think there's a lot of good coaching back there, but there's a lot of good football players too. And I, I love Savage for the obvious reasons, big personality, big smile, big hitter, loves the game. But I don't know that you can, you know, look everybody in the face and not say that's probably true for Jake and Josh, too. Those dudes can play. And 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 uh, as consistent as they've been, I think that's the thing that sticks out for me. They've been they've been rock solid from day one. This is going to be a tough question to answer because I'm not even 100% sure how I would answer it. But if you were to name a midseason defensive MVP right now for this team, who would it be? I mean, you've got obviously Felix, but Josh Hayes, Eli Huggins, you know, has drawn a lot of praise in particular from opposing coaches that we've seen throughout the year. Uh, how, how would you go about answering that question at this point? Well, you know, it, it is a hard question to answer. But I think as we talk today, um, I, I would probably lean a little bit towards Eli Huggins because it is a most difficult position to play nose tackle. You're basically being doubled constantly. And that's a good thing because it frees up the Daniel Deuce Greens of the world and the Austin Moores of the world. And speaking of that, how well have those two guys oh, played? I mean, yeah. Austin's been coach said on his radio show last week that he's playing at an all conference level and, and his numbers would probably uh, point that out. So I think there are a lot of things that are going on on the defensive side that are really good, but because of the toughness that you have to have with the position and, and his <laughs> just knowledge and, and motor, uh, maybe I'd have a different answer for you next week, but I'm going to, today I'm going to say Eli. I mean, I would actually say Austin Moore for me, why Maybe. and a large yeah. a large part of that is honestly I mean the big talking point for us in the off season was you know who do they have besides Daniel Green to put yeah. out there and Will Honus not being able to give it a go this year they brought in Brandon Jennings transfers and spring ball I mean linebacker was maybe the biggest concern on this football team and Austin Moore 
might even be the best linebacker right now. And that's not a knock on Daniel Green. I mean, no. he's just, he's really playing well. Your point is perfect. And I'll even add to it in this way, Mr. Manbeck. Go back to week one of the regular season. Who did we think was going to start at that position? Sean Robinson. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I mean, it, it shows you, again, good coaching can go a long ways, but young guys that learn a lot as they're making their way up too is, is a big staple of this program. And I try to promote that as often as I can. I mean, Coach Kleiman has gone on and on with me about how much Austin learned in a couple of years as an understudy to Cody Fletcher, as an example. Fletch wasn't necessarily the best football player you'll ever see, but he was a very, very smart football player. And I think with Austin, he's a better athlete than you see, or maybe it looks like. And when you put that with his knowledge and the coaching, um, man, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's been impressive what he's done. So I, I totally get your thought, partner. I really do. Yeah, and let me let me apologize to Austin Moore for not throwing him in that discussion. That was, <laughs> was completely unfair of me because I, really? I mean he's he's probably I mean he's going to be top two I think if I'm power ranking you yeah. know guys on the the defensive side of the ball he's been incredible uh, so he deserves all that recognition for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so this game with TCU, I know this is this is early in the week. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with like Brian and John, the crew at, at TCU, and what what they're thinking heading into this, coming off of a really gutsy, gutsy win uh, for them over Oklahoma State and coming back from 24-7 down to win over the weekend. How, how do you kind of feel, uh, initial thoughts, I guess, about going into this game against TCU and where it stacks up with, with the difficult games on the rest of the schedule? Well, I haven't yet talked to J.D., but I did talk to my counterpart, Brian Estridge, for about 20 minutes last night as um, we're watching football. And um, I think they're every bit as excited of where they're at and rightfully so as K-State is. Um, they've got a good football team. The one thing that I think really has surprised a lot of people is, is the quarterback play. In this league, 
you better be getting good quarterback play if you want to win games. And fortunately for them, when Chandler Morris went down in game one, there was Max Duggan. He didn't leave or he didn't pout uh, when he lost the job. Matter of fact, he said, I'm going nowhere. I love it here. And they put him into that lineup and he's, what, 70% completion percentage. He was 14 to one touchdown to picks going into Oklahoma State and played well in that game too. It helps that they're running the ball and that they're scoring 46 points a game, but he's a big part of that. Um, We could probably talk all day about what they are defensively because I think that's still maybe to be determined a little bit. But offensively, they've done a really nice job. They've run the ball. They've got a couple of good backs. They've got a really good receiver, in my mind, in Quentin Johnston. I'm sure you've seen him. He's 6'4 and just tough as nails. So this will be a a real challenge for the K-State defense. What I'm hopeful of is, and I think the one thing that I can say that I know about TCU's defense is that they can run, um, but they are giving up some points and some yards. And I'm hopeful that K-State can attack them and run a little bit. But that environment will be every bit as tough as what we saw in Ames the other night. They're they're excited about their team, and they should be. I have a lot of respect, obviously, for guys that stick it out like Max Duggan and don't transfer. Um, It would have been easy for him to do. And in the broadcast Saturday, they pointed out all the different things he's gone through with injuries and the heart surgery that he had um, prior to the season a couple years ago, playing with a broken foot. I mean, big-time credit to him. You know, Wyatt – Looking at that Oklahoma State game Saturday, I, I joked around actually with some friends before the game texting, you know, who do we, they were asking who do we want to win, you know, for K-State's sake. And I said, well, I hope for a seven overtime game, physical, long game. And it ends up going into double overtime. I mean, do you think that's an advantage for K-State, that the, the letdown effect with college kids? And I know K-State's a top 25 team going in there and they're, they're going to be fired up, but there has to be some sort of letdown emotionally coming off that. And then the physical toll of a double overtime game against Oklahoma state. And we know Oklahoma state's a physical opponent. Well, it's a really interesting subject for me because I think that's a, the part of the game that a lot of people don't necessarily factor into it. I mean, they were rolling going into the OSU game and they were down and out and they found a way to come back from 24, seven down. There's a level from the way I see it anyway, that you live with that. And it's a great thing, but there's also that side that they're going to be patted on the back all week and be told how great they are. And how did they find that balance that they need uh, to come back and be ready again? Because we've seen it before, you know, I equate it to the, the, from the Mizzou week to the Tulane week. I know people don't like to hear that, but, but you saw, I mean, K-State was so excited to play Mizzou, and you saw what happened, you know. Who knows what edge they'll have, but <laughs> that's why we talk about these kind of things because you don't always know or have a great feel on, on how they'll react that way. You just don't. I'm hopeful that you're right, that that two overtime games uh, or, or two, a two overtime game and the physicality of that and beating a really good OSU team um, – you know, makes them feel like we've we're here, and maybe they won't be quite as ready. But I'm not counting on that. Well, yeah, certainly not. But the fact that they also had to play the week before at Kansas and yes. college game days there, That's a hard game took, too. yeah, you took Kansas's yeah. best shot, right? Yep. And you had to survive and advance through that game, and then you had to follow it up with the Oklahoma State game. Meanwhile, K State's kicking their legs up, 
resting. I mean, you just, if you're going to ask, you can't ask for a lot better of a situation. It's going to be hard no matter what you mentioned atmosphere, primetime kick, they're going to be fired up. But um, as far as asking for circumstances headed in this game, I, I think it's the best case scenario for what case they could have hoped for. I couldn't argue with that in any way. I think that's really well said. Um, I would rather, I mean, I'd rather play the game in Manhattan. Yeah. But under these particular circumstances, I totally 100% get what you're saying because it seems to point more towards the Cats, right, right or wrong. We'll see if it plays out that way. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, the thing about this league, we're, we're, we're sitting here and saying that now. Let's start peeking ahead at the K-State schedule. All right, if you do beat TCU, then it's you got <laughs> Oklahoma State, then you got you know, Baylor, Texas. Like, it just it does not get very easy uh, at all for anybody in this league. Uh, the Oklahoma State game, I am curious. Like, is there – because I, I had a little little birdie texted me today about, like, hey, have you, have you looked at the, the slate of games next week? If K-State and Oklahoma State both win, like, you know, college game day came to the state of Kansas once already. I mean, is there any, any chatter about that being a possibility if K-State and Oklahoma State both win? I haven't heard any chatter about it, but think about what you just said there for a moment. You would think they, at, at minimum, would be totally into at least thinking about it, right? I mean, you saw over in Lawrence and how excited they were there. Can you imagine what K-State Nation is going to be like if that would happen? And, and you beat TCU on the road and you got OSU coming in here after they beat Texas? That sounds like a pretty good matchup to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I mean, who knows? But <laughs> the, the other factor there is, the, the, and I think there's more to it than you, than you might want to say, but wouldn't ESPN look at it like, yeah, we were in Kansas once. Let's make, let's make this a, a double header, so to speak. And that, and that in itself is a piece to the pie, in my opinion. Why not? Well, they, they like to go where fans are going to turn out, right? Oh, and yeah. Kansas State has shown time and time again, whether it be college game day for football or the one time they came for basketball against Kansas, some of the best crowds for college game day have been Kansas State fans. Yeah. Um, and it would be a great storyline and what Chris Kleiman has done and a, and a great matchup. And really the only game they're competing with that weekend is Ohio State at Penn State. And I think we see how that's going to play out. I mean, Penn State is – is not a, they're a highly overrated team in my mind. And that'll probably be a blowout and they've been there, done that, you know, so to come to Manhattan, I mean, that would, that would be great. And uh, you know, you could spend the story too, that it's KU and K state. This, you mentioned why the two Kansas teams get college game day in the same year. I mean, it's a, it's a great storyline. I certainly hope that's what transpires because K state's had college game day on the verge of coming again and what was it john 2011 oh 2011 <laughs> i'm still not over that one <laughs> uh, o- oklahoma choked the game to texas tech and norman if you guys remember both teams were undefeated and that that ended up causing game day to i think go to oregon or somewhere where oh, they, they went up. to usc it was so oh. bad they were they were in la and i remember the the token thing they gave to k-state was they were like oh we'll bring on eric stone street so like eric stone street got to do an interview from the the set outside the coliseum in la i believe was what happened there <laughs> yeah not not real thrilled about that one. Well, you know what? Let's let's see. Let, let's do our part. Yeah. Yes. OSU do their part, and then we make it hard for them to pass. Right. I mean that that's that's the real thing. And and you know we can sit here and speculate about it all day long. But one thing they do know from and and this is just my opinion only, but I'm going to say it. They know what they're going to get when they come to Manhattan, Kansas. The the K-State people will be so stoked. I'm just telling you, 
it'd be on fire. It would be. Yeah. It absolutely would be. Before we ask you just a little bit about basketball, I want to gauge your your thoughts here. I mean, it seems to me like there's a pretty clear-cut top tier of the Big 12 where now Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, and K-State have separated. Do you view it that way, that those those would be by far your, your four favorites there? Well, I, I think with the struggles of Oklahoma, you have to kind of look at it that way. I don't know that any of us saw that coming, but um, I, I kind of see it that way. I, I think the league is still, man, in, in, in the 20 – well, this is my 21st season, but in the in the 20 plus years that I've covered the league, I, I don't know that we've ever had it quite like this. There may not be one team that's like, wow, they're they're the they're the team. But at the other end of the spectrum, there's not the one team like there's been most recently with Kansas that, hey, they're there for a reason. They're they're the worst team in the league. That's not the case now. And and I even think West Virginia's kind of proven that, you know, they're no dud either. They may not be as good as they – I mean, they've had better teams than this, and yet on a given day they can compete with most. And I think they proved that the other night against Baylor. Baylor's had it a little bit tough here lately. They, You know, everybody just kind of assumed that they would roll through this thing again and be in the hunt, and maybe they still will be, but they're, they're kind of on the outside looking in now. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would completely agree with that, Wyatt. I mean, West Virginia has been right there, should have won the game at Pittsburgh – blew out Virginia Tech. Now I know Virginia Tech's down, but um, yeah, you look at the the schedule, what West Virginia's done and beating Baylor in in a hard-fought game. There really isn't a team you could point to that's going to be a gimme. Do I think it's going to be a gimme for K-State to go to Morgantown into the year? I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, West Virginia's mindset, right? I mean, Neil Brown is kind of on the hot seat. Now, if they rattle off three or four wins in the next six weeks, they're going to be fired up for that game. But if they, they drop three or four in a row or three or four, you know, it might be a little bit different, but there's really no easy games. And it doesn't feel like you're going to blow anyone out in this league. If you're K-State, probably every game is going to be stressful. You mentioned the bye week. I needed the bye week to, to rest my anxiety. Why the, the Iowa State game, John and I watched it together. We've talked about that. That had us worked up. I mean, that was, that was a stressful day. So Anyways, I, I, what do you, if you had to predict, I mean, to put you on the spot here, Wyatt, who do you think at this point would be the, the favorites to get to Arlington? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, I think prior to Saturday, I would have probably said OSU. And for a half, I thought they were clearly, clearly a better team than, than TCU. But as we all know, the game is 60 minutes long. With that said, I still think OSU is as good or better than most. I think K-State has a shot. People will not like me saying this probably, but Texas has so much talent. And if Ewers continues to play at a decent level, this will be a big test for them at Oklahoma State on Saturday. We we might ought to have this discussion again down the road in a couple weeks, maybe on the podcast or not. But you get my point here that all of these games are hard. There's very, very little separation. I, I'm sure Baylor's thinking they're still in it. And, uh, hey, even Texas Tech, teams like that. Um, I don't know what you guys thought of Tech, but I thought they were so well coached um, that, hey, you just – it's, it's, that's why I think people are saying – I said about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that the two teams that make it to Arlington – and this is probably oversimplifying it, are going to be the two teams that get the most consistent quality quarterback play. 
And I still believe that. And you can make an argument that that could be OSU. It could be K-State. It could be name the team, right? Right or yeah. wrong. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I, that's a great point. Spencer Sanders, it'll be really interesting to watch against Texas. He's really banged up right now, and he yep. took a beating. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Texas is actually, I think, favored right now by four or five going into Stillwater, um, coming off just barely beating Iowa State. So that'll be a really interesting game to watch at 2.30. I, I wanted to ask you one more question about football real quick, Wyatt. It's kind of another one, tough one really to answer, but you you covered L. Roberson and Darren Sproles, and, and John and I and Derek had this conversation a couple weeks ago. How would you say Adrian and Deuce stack up to Darren and L? from a running perspective. I mean, is that the, do you, is this the most, most lethal rushing combination of quarterback running back that K-State has had? How would you compare the the two duos? Well, I would say at this particular point that I think Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn are terrific. And could they get there yet this season? Maybe, but what excites me, I mean, but maybe not. Those two guys, Ellen, Ellen, Darren were, I mean, they are what they are. They're both ring of honor guys, hall of fame kind of guys. Uh, I, I said many, many times that I would never, ever moving forward, compare anybody to L Roberson again, cause it's so unfair. And here we are all these years later, comparing number 22 to number 43. That's pretty good. I always appreciated L because he was so tough. He played hurt. He was a spectacular player when you look at numbers. And, you know, it's probably unfair to to compare Adrian with a shorter K-State career. But on the other hand, again, this is a hard one to answer. And I'm trying to answer it as best I can, struggling with it a little. But I think they have a chance. But that's that's pretty tall cotton you're walking in with Ellen and Mr. Sproles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I'll always feel that way, right or wrong. But I Adrian is such a good athlete and he's I think he's got a lot of toughness to him. And we know what Deuce is, right? We we've had the good fortune of having him around here a little longer than Adrian. But but I'm a I'm a big believer in the kid and he he's really proven to me that he's got some toughness to him and um Time will tell, but the fact that we're at least talking about that is a great thing for Wildcat football. How's that? Yeah, that, that works. That definitely works for me. <laughs> um, and what else works for me is the fact that, I mean, I'm sitting here, it's it's mid-October, K-State's in contention for a Big 12 championship right now, and I'm, I'm still very fired up about basketball. I mean, I just bought my my five-game little mini-pack of, of tickets, and I'm, I'm, I was looking at them like, man, these don't start until January. Like, I want to get in there and watch this basketball team um, you, I'm sure, have been able to hang around a little bit as they've been practicing now for a couple of weeks. We know what Tang has been able to do in rejuvenating the fan base and doing so many great things to, to get the fans back on board. Uh, what, what is this team like right now? What are your early impressions of what K-State will bring out onto the floor this year? I love the way they practice. It, it, there's everything with purpose involved in it. Um, they go fast. Um this is a team that I think people will be impressed with their length, their athleticism, and just how hard they're going to get after people. Um, they're not perfect. And I think they'll go through some stretches where they'll struggle to score from time to time. Uh, and don't relate that back to last year or the year before that or whatever. I, I don't mean it. I don't want to compare teams that way. 
But I do think this team is so athletic. You're going to see a lot of follow tips, dunks, you know, those kind of things that were a little harder to come by, you know, in the last couple of years. And as they grow, um, I think this is going to be a really fun team to watch. Yes, they're in the hardest basketball conference in America, and it's going to be difficult on a lot of nights. But I think if they can get some confidence in the non-conference, they can compete in this league. I, I just believe they will. I, I think they think they will, and that's that's even more important. Yeah, when we had Yurik on um, on the podcast, he, he mentioned the day before the polls came out, preseason coaches poll, that they expected to be picked 10th and yeah. that they were excited about that because they're eager to prove a lot of people wrong. And, and I believe they will prove a lot of people wrong. And I, I cannot wait. I got the same five-game plan as John. We're going to be in Bramlage a lot this year, and I know the fan base is reinvigorated and excited as well. I, when we talked – when we had John just reverting back to that conversation in Dallas in July, we talked Wyatt about K-State was still looking to maybe add another guy. And the guy that we had heard rumblings about was Keontae, right? And yeah. they end up getting him. What is the significance of that addition? What kind of buzz have you heard? Look, we know he hasn't played a game in 600 plus days. He's got to get back into shape, but where can he take this team, their ceiling? Well, I think it certainly raises the ceiling is probably the most simplistic way to say that. I mean, this is a young man who was preseason SEC player of the year in the season where he had, you know, his health problem. That's pretty significant. I mean, he was a 14 and seven guy the year before that. And, you know, he, he's a six, four, really strong, tough guy who can do a lot of things. That was a really nice if you're, if, I think all coaches, if they're going to add a final piece, they'd like to have it somewhat like that, unless you're going to go get Kareem or somebody like that, right? I mean, it's that's a heck of a piece um, to, to add so late. And I remember Yurik saying to me, you know, at the Catbacker tour, I asked him about players. And he said, you know, at Texas, we got our best two players after the 1st of July. So be patient. Well, I've learned to be patient. <laughs> And uh, that, but but that was a good get at, at, at all counts. And I, where does it put them? I, I don't know that I can really answer that yet. I, I think we are going to see a lot of growth out of him because it's been a while and them because they're working so hard at it. And I, I think with the attitude and the toughness and the athleticism, um, they're going to make their mark. I just hope it's sooner rather than later, but I do think they're going to make their mark. They're, they're going to be fun to watch. I, I will say that. I hope that answers the question because it, there's so much involved to, to growing that um, th there's going to be growing pains, no doubt about that. Yeah. But I think people will like the end results. And we're going to be at Big 12 Media Days. I'm sure you will this week, Wyatt, as well, and what we'll see you there. We're excited to see Keontae and have the chance to hear from him for the first time. And yes. thrilled K-State. That says a lot that Kansas State coaches are, are bringing him to Media Days as well, just joining the team at the end of July. Uh, just one more question for me, and we'll let you go, Why? We really appreciate how gracious you were with your time. Uh, who's maybe a name or two that – we've talked a lot about Keontae, right, Naquan Tomlin, Marquise Noel, but maybe who's a name or two that you think could really surprise some people on this team that we haven't heard a lot about? Well, I think when the summer started, I, I would have probably said Desi, but I haven't seen him enough to, to, to answer it that way now. So I'll go in a little bit of a different direction and say – uh, kind of a, a tie. Uh, I really like Cam Carter and I really like Tyke Green. I think both of those guys 
bring some athleticism and toughness. And there's a lot of things that they can do on the floor. You've got, you know, one that's what's is very, very young and, and very, very talented. The other who's been around a lot longer, which will help him, I think, as we start this season. I think that's the thing. I guess I'll kind of deviate from the thought for a second and say I love the mix of the group, not LinkedIn athleticism wise, because I think they all have that. But the mixture of, I guess I'll say, older, younger, and a couple in between, I think the mix of that is good. Nobody's talked or written a lot about that. And to, to be adding a, a couple of thousand point scorers to this group, in addition to Ish and, and Marquise and those young guys, that's, that's a really good thing. And, and you know, again, Keontae being the, the last piece is, whew, that's big time. A lot of good things happening right now. A lot of good things yes, to talk about in uh, in K-State Athletics world. And uh, nobody better to talk about it with than Wyatt Thompson. Wyatt, <laughs> as, as Cole said, we really appreciate your time and in, in joining us here. Thank you for coming on. Uh, kind of nostalgic for me to be talking to you again. This is Monday, right? So this was like our this was our old our old Wildcat Insider Day. So it's it's been yeah. a blast. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys and, and your support of the Wildcats. Uh, I, I know how much you love them. And I think that's the one thing we all have in common, right? That's for darn no sure. I mean, there are several things, but that one, that one's number one on the list. No doubt. No Thanks, doubt. Fellas. All right. Well, that'll do it for another three mob pod. We will catch you guys next time. Take care.